GamesillaMedia.com. Noise Land Arcade. Welcome to this week's episode of Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me is my buddy, the Arcade Phantom. And we've got a good one for you guys today. Before that, Sean, I have a present for you. You do? What is it? Lemonade? Please. <laughs> so today we're talking about Itchy and Scratchy and Marge. Sean, when did this first, uh, episode first air? This episode first aired December 20th, 1990. In this episode, Homer is injured by Maggie after she imitates the cartoon antics of Bart and Lisa's favorite violent cartoon, which causes Marge to battle against Itchy or the Itchy and Scratchy show. So what's going on in the world, Craig? Set the sage for us for this episode. So, Sean, I've been pretty blue lately. We've been talking a lot about the Soviet Union, the Persian Gulf War, apartheid. We, we've been talking about a lot of stuff, and it's kind of wearing on me. So I thought we'd talk about something a little different. Is there happy news? I mean, it's arguably not happy, but it is kind of nostalgic. What we're going to talk about is groceries. Groceries? So when I look uh, up research, I look through the Detroit Free Press, as I've mentioned before on this episode, because we live in the Detroit area. Now, what I happened to find was a sale paper from Farmer Jack. Which is no longer uh, exists. It's a defunct company. They went out of business. And so uh, one of the interesting things about this particular paper, though, is that this sale ad had not only the uh, pr- the sale prices, but it had the regular prices to show how much of a sale you were getting. So I was able to figure out the price, the general prices of some food items from back in 1990 in order to kind of compare it with how it is today. Okay, shoot some of them at me. All right. So this is just a few. I didn't really do a ton of uh, uh, delving into this uh, just because it would take a million years. Uh, but uh, uh, let's see. Uh, the first thing that caught my attention is that a pound of butter was $2.15 back then. Oh, my God. It's like $5 now. Yeah. Uh, a 24-ounce uh, tub of sour cream was $1.59. Uh, eight ounces of cream cheese was $0.79. Cents. A two-liter of Pepsi was $0.88. Cents. How much uh, is a two-liter uh, uh, now uh, nowadays, Sean? On average, you're looking at $1.59 to $1.89. Yeah. I, I, there were some like, uh, 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 fruit prices and stuff, but I, I kind of figured fruit prices were, would fluctuate a little heavier. I, so I, I mean, I didn't really delve too much into that kind of stuff, but yeah, that was, uh, the prices we were dealing with, uh, back in 1990. Did you get a gallon of milk or eggs at all? I didn't, they weren't on sale, so I didn't have the, the prices of them. I could only go off what the sale prices were from the, uh, the ad that I had. So for our younger listeners out there who are broke and struggling as many of us are <laughs> this is why because groceries cost too much nowadays oh man yeah i, I thought it was really really crazy that i uh, i uh, we you know like like i was looking at the sale ad and i was just like oh my god things were so much cheaper back then so sean what do you have here for us this is a few days before christmas so i got something rather spooky for us oh yeah a scary movie opened up in theaters. Oh? On December 21st, Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger starred in Kindergarten Cop. May 
God have mercy on our souls. Oh, is, is, is that not a scary movie to you? Do you, I mean, do you not look at that school and get terrified every time? Because I do, because that's the school they modeled after in Silent Hill. What, really? Silent Hill is modeled after the school in Kindergarten Cop. That's horrifying. Yeah. They wanted a Western look to it, and that was what they used for reference, was Kindergarten Cop. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. <laughs> it's a giant baby trying to kill me with a knife. Oh. Yes. I think this is going to be about the only time when I have happier news than you do. It might be, because yeah, <laughs> Kindergarten Cop scares the hell out of me now. And it shouldn't, but it does. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> let's jump into the episode. So, Marge is making pork chops. Uh, I'm going to piss a lot of people off right when we start this episode. You're not a fan of pork chops, are you? I'm not a big pork chop guy, unless they're very thinly cut. I'd uh, rather have red meat. Give me a steak. I mean, I think I prefer red meat. I'm with you on that one, but I do really like uh, pork. I, I'm, a, I'm definitely a fan. Or fried chicken, grilled chicken, fish. Pork is on the lower end for me. Hmm. Interesting. What's well, weird, because I love like bacon and I love pork shoulder or pork belly, but pork chops just don't do it. Don't do it for you. Weird. Uh, so Marge's pork chop recipe calls for rosemary, thyme, marjoram, chervil, turmeric, and MSG. Yeah. So at this time, MSG would have been put in because of the fact that it's like dangerous, quote unquote. Uh, and for those who are not unfamiliar, because MSG is sort of rare, uh, you know, and, and a lot of people sort of have negative sort of thoughts on the matter. But MSG was discovered by the Japanese chemist uh, Kikune Ikeda, uh, Ikeda, I'm sorry, uh, when he uh, was trying to isolate the savory flavor notes from kombu, uh, which is used in a lot of stocks in Japan. Uh, kombu is like a sort of a uh, similar to like a seaweed almost. Uh, it, you know, uh, like if you like miso soup, uh, the uh, miso gets mixed into this kombu stock. Uh, now, uh, in 1968, Robert Homan Kwok uh, reported that since he always got headaches after eating Chinese food, MSG must cause them. Uh, and this was caused uh, or called Chinese restaurant syndrome. And it spread the message that MSG was bad for you, despite the fact that no evidence has shown otherwise. A lot of people attribute this to a very xenophobic sort of like negative uh, thoughts on like Asian culture and stuff. Uh, but yeah, to this day, MSG is still viewed by as a negative thing for people. There's no evidence. No, none. Whatsoever that it's bad for you. If you go to the Asian buffet that's actually biased, you can get MSG to put on everything you have there. Neat. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, Homer says, though, that he's going to make a uh, spice rack for Marge, right? Yeah, he's going to make her a spice rack because she's doing such a good job on cooking his food. Kind of weird from whatever. Uh, but uh, Homer remarks that he's got a whole garage full of tools that he never uses. Now, how many spices did Marge use on that steak? I'm curious. Oh, uh, she used, let's see, uh, rosemary, thyme, marjoram, chervil, turmeric, and MSG. So she used six. When we later see Marge in the Barbershop Quartet episode, she sees a spice rack with eight spices and thinks some of them must be doubles. Huh. Yeah, that's... I didn't even think of that. And that's only just two extra spices. I mean, oregano. What the hell is that? <laughs> Maybe that's the, what's throwing her off. But it's weird that in this one she was using turmeric. Turmeric is a little bit more rare. I can't... Even marjoram. I feel like... I feel And chervil. I feel like all three of those are kind of more eccentric than oregano. I think that's the joke. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Anywho. I, so I... 
Bart and Lisa and Maggie are watching uh, the Krusty the Clown show. Uh, and it's a, it, I sort of thought it was interesting that the, it's like a nautical based episode. Like, like uh, Krusty has like a captain's hat on, which reminded me of like our old uh, uh, shows that would like host cartoon episodes. Like Carrot Top had his own show. You know, that like he played cartoons on, like Bugs Bunny cartoons. And it reminds me of that, like with all the weird old skits and stuff. I don't know. That just sort of no, reminds me of that. the time. Uh, but uh, like Homer walks by. And, I've always wanted a captain's hat. Are you a captain? No, I'm not. Well, then you don't get a captain's hat. It's how it works, Sean. I'm not a captain and I don't have a captain's hat. If I was a captain, I'd have a captain's hat. God, I need to be a captain or I get a boat. Arguably, any cat is a captain's hat if you're a captain. Huh. So you just need to be a captain, and the hat you're wearing right now will be a captain's hat. Uh, Didn't think that's of it that how way, it did works. you? I'm a deep man. What can I say? Uh, so, so Homer walks by. Bart remarks uh, uh, down in front, and Homer utters a line that we're going to hear a whole lot coming in these really a lot for a lot of Simpsons episodes. Shut up, boy. Yeah, he usually says it out of the side of his mouth. It's kind of a shut up, boy. Shut up, boy. Yeah, uh, and so. Uh, Bart and uh, Lisa, you know, uh, watch Hold That Feline. Which isn't that good of an Itchy and Scratchy episode. No, this one's kind of a real quick shot of it. It's just sort of like Itchy uh, 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 lights, what, like dynamite that looks like a football on, on you know, and, and kicks it. Yeah, Scratchy catches it, it explodes, and then a bunch of people tackle where he would have been. Yeah, giant dogs and stuff. So, uh... <laughs> It cuts to uh, Homer in the garage, and uh, there's a, a really big question that I have about their garage. Okay, shoot. So you can see in the background, like the door is open to the garage. You can see the rumpus room in the back, and there's like toys on the ground and stuff. You know, kind of an interesting like, look into the Simpsons house, because we haven't really seen the rumpus room yet. But there's something that catches me off guard. Yeah. The staircase. There's a staircase in their garage. Yeah. There's a staircase in their garage. I've never once seen a garage with a staircase. That's not a thing, right? No, that's totally a thing. My dad saw Summerhouse has a staircase in his garage. That's weird, right? My dad actually fell down that staircase and broke his foot. So it's funny that you say this and bring it up because I'm just thinking like, oh, my dad's got one of those. <laughs> I mean, I'm so sorry for his his injury. Uh, so I uh, Homer looks to the bookshelf and there's a book on uh, spice racks, uh, knickknack shelves. And did you catch what the third book was? So it's the complete handyman's guide to spice racks, knickknack shelves, and Trojan horses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, he's got 14 volumes of how-to books. That's a lot. That is way more than I've got in my garage. Yeah, for sure. I I don't have a garage, and even if I did, I wouldn't have a single volume of those because I have cookbooks, not (laughs) how-to manuals for, uh, uh, you know, home improvement stuff. Uh, But I, I... I, I thought it was funny because, like, you know, Homer's like thinks it's going to be easy, and, he, and you look at his spice rack, and it looks like garbage, and he's like hitting it with the hammer, and he's like, oh, not as easy as I thought. Well, I mean, Homer, we can tell that he's not very much of a handyman because that hammer still got the price tag on it. <laughs> it does. <laughs> uh, and then we see 
Uh, and, and this is going to be your wheelhouse here in a second because, okay. uh, yeah, what, what happens to Homer? So first off, I'm going to set the scene for this, and then I'm going to bring something up. Mm-hmm. So we get a nice parody of Psycho. Yeah. Where Maggie is behind Homer. It's a parody of the shower scene in Psycho. It even plays the music, and Maggie mm-hmm. hits Homer on the head with a hammer, mm-hmm. and he falls down, grabs the side, the curtain, the paint falls down the drain, similar to the blood draining into the shower curtain. Yeah, yeah. And Homer lays there with his eyes open like an Alfred Hitchcock psycho. Mm-hmm. That is not the itchy and scratchy cartoon that we saw to instigate this. We saw a football-based itchy and scratchy. That is true. Why was there not one of them hitting on the head? That bugged me so much going back to this episode. You know, you're right. I It didn't even dawn on me, but the, 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 the gag throughout the episode is that Maggie keeps imitating the episodes that she's currently watching. And you're right. Like, uh, I mean, unless they, they uh, well, here, uh, here's sort of, I guess, the, the defense for that is, you know, Homer had the time to build a spice rack, which would have been much longer than in the yeah, so she could have watched so, more. Yeah, they must have been watching more. But from a framing perspective, they should have shown where it was hit. They should. Yeah, they should have. They absolutely should have. And, and it's interesting, too, because you got to think, the Krusty the Clown show is not just itchy and scratchy. They just show it on that you know clown clown program so like you know how long was the segment where they're watching itchy itchy and scratchy episodes like is it just like hey kids i don't want to do this for a while just watch these cartoons and yeah shut I mean, up. how many smokes did crusty want to have i guess that's you know, sort of what you got to consider these are his smoke breaks for his show pretty much i uh, so in fact yeah we see that later don't we yeah i uh, so i i it cuts to uh, the kids watching uh, another Richie and Scratchy episode. Kitchen, kitchen cut-ups. Kitchen cut-ups, exactly. Uh, and it's interesting because we see Scratchy is also smacking Itchy with a hammer, and very rarely do we see Scratchy striking Itchy. Yeah, it's pretty rare. We'll see it again where Scratchy and him will have a very Looney Tunes-esque gun battle. That's true, but he does lose that. Yes. You know, it, so it's interesting that, you know, Itchy's getting hit in the face with a hammer, I. Uh, and then I, I, you know, so it's it's Homer, and he's got like you know his head wrapped in stuff, and and you know, Bart makes some remark about how his like you know like you know like can't you move or something, and he's like no my head's broken. I, but Maggie has a crazy look in her eyes. Yeah, she gets a pencil, pretends it's a knife, and Homer freaks out. I. And Marge, of course, puts two and two together and turns off the TV. And Lisa remarks that uh, if their cartoons are taken away, they'll grow up without humor and become robots. And I love this line because Bart's like, really? What kind of robots? (laughs) And he immediately is genuinely interested in being a robot. Wouldn't you be interested in being a robot? Beep. I mean, you get a rocket punch. That would would be so cool. A rocket puncher. Oh man, that would be sweet. I need a rocket punch. I uh, so I uh, and, and and as a side note, I do feel like it's kind of weird that uh, uh, Bart and Lisa are no longer able to watch Itchy and Scratchy show when it should just be Maggie who's not allowed to watch it. Right? Yeah. Why are they all being lumped together? It's it, Maggie's a baby because like, Marge is one of those overprotective parents. I'll get into that in a little bit. Fair enough. I uh, so we cut to the playground and Nelson. 
I love this part with Nelson. It's one of the first times Nelson is friendly to Bart. Nelson consoles Bart. And uh, he's like, tough break, man. So I heard about your cartoons. And yeah, it's, it's, it's such a devastating thing to childhood to not be able to watch cartoons that Nelson Muntz himself, the bully, feels bad for Bart. I love when Nelson is friendly to any of the kids. <laughs> it is generally <laughs> always entertaining because it's so out of character. Like when, in a Millhouse Divided, when <laughs> Millhouse's parents split up, I love when Nelson's like, I heard your parents split up. And Millhouse looks at him and he's like, what, are you going to make fun of me? He's like, no, my parents split up too, man. <laughs> yeah, because his mom had a cough drop problem. <laughs> uh, so Millhouse finds a loophole, though. Uh, Millhouse is like, hey, why don't you just watch cartoons at my place? And Bart's like, that's just crazy enough to work. And Lisa does the same. She goes to Janie's house. Which is interesting because we typically see that she doesn't get along with Janie. So is she using Janie for her cartoons? She might be. Janie's got a freaking huge TV. Janie's family's doing pretty well for themselves. Yeah, it's a big TV. Uh, And so uh, Bart is, or I'm sorry, uh, Homer is uh, back at home. Uh, calling his, his job, and he's saying, I told you my baby beat me up. Oh, it's not the worst excuse I ever thought up. Uh, and I, I, yeah, it's, I, I love that line <laughs> so much. So I have to imagine he's calling Smithers at that point because he's the safety inspector. Would he be calling Smithers? He does have a, 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 another supervisor. Uh, remember, there's the dude when uh, he, he wants to be the uh, um, uh, mascot, and it's the guy who's like, how long do you want to take off? Like, one year, two year, three years? Yeah, but we've talked about the time paradox for that. Oh, now, that's, that's true. probably back on the line. It could have been back on the line, but that didn't add up entirely. So, oh, well, who knows? I imagine this is what leads to Smithers' hatred of Homer. One of the many things. <laughs> that his baby beat him up? It's just that he's constantly calling off and being a lazy bum. Yeah, pretty much. I... Now, I, I, it cuts to Marge watching the cartoons, though. And I love this moment because Homer is so obnoxious. It's like, hey, how come you get to watch cartoons and the kids can't? Because. Because why? <laughs> because I said so. Because you said so. It's like, and Marge gets mad. And it's interesting to me that Marge gets so upset with Homer when all she really had to do was just say in the first place, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm cataloging violence. So Marge is making a list of violence in this episode. And she's got check marks next to things that she's witnessed. Oh, now before the check marks, though, I love the fact that she says, what kind of warped human being would find that funny? And Homer is cracking up. And I know that you're like me and you love Tom and Jerry. And that's oh, yeah, essentially what it's hysterically at it. Itchy and Scratchy essentially is a copy of Tom and Jerry, a cat and mouse that just murderize each other. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I love them so much. But yeah, so what kind of uh, uh, check marks do we have here going, Sean? So I'm assuming each check mark that she has next to the things listed is how many times she's witness this it sounds right so her list includes three counts of cats being blown up uh-huh. one count of mice being launched i'm not entirely sure what mice launched means but it doesn't sound non-violent there are two dogs that were tricked that's not very violent there are two gophers that were buried alive that's very violent which is hilarious because gophers bury Oh, right. Yeah, they, they don't really, <laughs> can't really bury them alive, can you? There were three counts of eyes being knocked out. Pretty violent. Two disembowelings. I don't really like that bowel in there. Can't we say gut? And one brain being slammed in a car door. That is the most specific act of violence I uh, I think I've ever heard. That is my favorite one, because did you ever watch Netflix Daredevil? 
Uh, I'll, like the first episode, I think. So there's a scene where Kingpin has some guy who embarrassed him. He's uh-huh. one of his cronies. And he just bashes his brains into a car door till there's nothing left of his skull. Oh, yikes. And I think of that every time I read this now. Where I'm like, hey, his brain's being bashed in the car door. Okay, that's what that means. <laughs> Coincidentally, uh, uh, my uh, crazy grandma Shirley, who who, who I've, I've mentioned occasionally on other shows I've been on, uh, when I was a kid, she slammed my head in a car door. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was pretty young and uh, on purpose. I hope not. Like was she just like take this, Craig? Ha ha. Uh, my, you know, coincidentally, my memory's a little fuzzy from that moment. <laughs> Go figure, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Marge decides she's going to write a letter, uh, and so she uh, uh, writes it as "Dear Purveyors of Senseless Violence," and it sh- and it's Marge narrating the letter as other people are reading it. Krusty is illiterate. <laughs> and Krusty's holding it every which way he can to try and read it. And he's trying to decipher it and he's he's illiterate. So he and, and which I'm glad they put that in because it keeps up with the previous uh uh, uh you know season when when we found out he was illiterate. Uh, uh there's also uh a corkboard in the background of Krusty and it shows newspapers from his event with Sideshow Bob. Ah, good for him. Mm-hmm. Uh the writer doesn't seem to care. Uh, he crumples it up and throws it in a garbage can. And Roger Myers Jr. reads it. And it's just Roger Myers on this episode. Yeah, that's true. They don't refer to him as Jr. Uh, they he's don't... voiced by the late Alex Rocco. Oh. He... He's one of my favorite voices of any guest star. I love Roger Myers Jr.'s voice. It is pretty great. It is such a, a sleazy businessman voice. Uh, so... Roger Meyer Jr., or in this case, Roger Myers, they, they don't refer to him as Jr., uh, sends an autograph photo uh, and refers to her as a screwball. Uh, and he also ends the, oh, uh, also uh, uh, some of the things we see in his office are uh, uh, Itchy and Scratchy promoting Duff Beer, Itchy and Scratchy on Ice, and an Itchy and Scratchy cologne. Uh, and he ends the letter with, and the horse you rode in on, which is, of course, very clearly, fuck you and yeah, the go, horse go, you go, rode go, in go on. Go fuck yourself and the horse yeah. you rode in. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Which is like a, 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 apparently a saying that started in the 1950s. Uh, that's what I found online when I was doing research. And Marge gets fired up and she says, we'll see what one screwball can do. Because in the, the letter back, Roger Meyer says, there's nothing that like one single screwball can do, you know. Who would send that kind of letter to someone who said, like, I get that you you don't care what they have to say, but you placate them. You say, hey, I understand where you're coming from. Violence is a very important you know, topic in today's day and age, blah, 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 blah. And then you end it by saying, you know, we'll look into it or like, you know, we'll and then don't do anything like that's what you should do. That's what you should do. But when you're rich, I mean, who cares? Well, he'll learn soon enough because it cuts to them protesting itchy and scratchy. Uh, INS Studios or whatever. Uh, and uh, did you catch some of the the uh, the posters they have? No, I didn't. Um, I cu- caught the Bart Don't Ban Itchy and Scratchy. <laughs> yep. So you have uh, Homer's sign says, I'm protesting because Itchy and Scratchy are indirectly responsible. For, or no, I'm sorry. Marge's is, I'm protesting because Itchy and Scratchy are indirectly responsible for my husband being hit on the head with a mallet. Uh, Maggie's is, stop me before I kill my father again. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a good one. Homer's is please ban violent cartoons. Next time I might not be so lucky. And then uh, Lisa and, and Bart's are banned, itchy and scratchy. And then, of course, Bart crosses or crosses uh, 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 or puts in front of ban don't. So, Sean, do you want to talk about snuff? Yeah, let's talk about snuff, Craig. Springfielders for nonviolence, understanding and helping. So Marge starts her protest group and starts getting other people to come along. Yeah. This is actually based on a real event. Oh? This is based on the PMRC, which is the Parents Music Resource Center. Okay, you're going to have to really enlighten me on this because I have no idea what that is. So in 1985, there was a group known as the Washington Wives. Mm-hmm. A reference to their connection that their husbands had in Washington. Okay. Because they were formed by Tipper Gore, the wife of Al Gore. Oh. Susan Baker, wife of Treasury Secretary James Baker. Pam Hauer, wife of uh, Washington realtor Raymond Hauer. Mm-hmm. And Sally Nevis, wife of uh, former Washington City Council Chairman John Nevis. They basically started a protest against mm-hmm. violent music and sexual music. And they are the cause for the parental advisory warning you see on CDs. They took this all the way to court. Uh-huh. And they had what was known as the Filthy 15. Uh-huh. Which were 15 examples of songs that were filthy and disgusting for different reasons. Okay. So I'm going to read you this list real quick. All right. So Prince's Darling Nikki was mentioned as number one for sex and masturbation. Sheena Easton's Sugar Walls was mentioned for sex. Uh-huh. Judas Priest for Eat Me Alive, Sex and Violence. Vanity, Strap, strap on Robbie Baby for sex. Motley Crue's Bastards for Violence and Language. Uh-huh. ACDC, Let Me Put My Love Into You for sex. Uh-huh. Twisted Sister, We're Not Gonna Take It for violence. Madonna, Dress You Up for sex. Wasp for Animal, Fuck Like a Beast, for sex, language, and violence. Ooh, all three. Def Leppard, High and Dry, Saturday Night, for drug and alcohol use. Uh-huh. Merciful Fate, for Into the Coven, for occult references. Black Sabbath, Trashed, for drug and alcohol use. Mary Jane Girls, In My House, for sex. Uh-huh. Venom, Possessed, for occult. And Cindy Lauper's Shebop, for sex and masturbation. They took this all the way to the Senate. What? This is what caused there to be a parental advisory sticker on albums. <sighs> the ironic part of all of this. Okay. This parody is a parody of it about cartoon violence. Sure. Tipper Gore was one of the founding members. Her daughter, Kristen Gore, would go on to be a lead writer on Futurama. Oh, interesting. I forgot that uh, 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 Al Gore's daughter was a writer for Futurama. Yep, that's why Al Gore guest stars on Futurama. <laughs> One of the vice presidential action rangers. Bringing it all full circle to the Simpsons. Interesting. Yeah, it's 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 funny because, like, I, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, you know, uh, uh, an advisory system is is fine, you know, like, just to warn parents, you know? It's just so interesting that, like, they're, they're so, like, like okay, all right, you you know, if, if a parent doesn't want, you know, the, the sex, the violence, okay, fair enough, I get it, I get it, you know. The occult one? Like, the occult one is just them being super overly Christian, right? Yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm going to bring down any overly parental parents' views right here. All rating systems are flawed. They're oh, sure. horrible systems that are made by people who are in shadowy rooms, 
who say, oh, I don't like this, so it gets this rating. Uh-huh. There is no set ga- uh, standard for why something would get a PG-13 rating over an R rating. There are a couple set rules they have, but certain things can be R-rated just because they feel they want it to be. Weird. The MPAA and the parental advisory warnings are very, very arbitrary. Hmm. ESRB as well. That's why certain games back in the early pre-ESRB days, like Mega Man 7, could get away with saying, damn. Oh, because it wasn't like Mortal Kombat. There was no blood. So they were just like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Interesting. The funny thing about all of this Mm -hmm. is this viewpoint that Marge takes in this episode Uh of being anti-violence is actually very anti-American. Most Americans don't complain about violence, but complain about sex. Yeah, that is, I mean, typically, you know, uh, uh, sex and nudity in America is sort of like the thing that's like, oh, it's this is terrible, this is the worst. But really, violence is not normally something people complain that much about. Yeah, I used to work at Best Buy back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I worked there when Kill Bill and Passion of the Christ came out. Mm-hmm. Date myself a little bit, but <laughs> I distinctly remember a woman coming up to me when Kill Bill Volume 1 came out. Uh-huh. And she asked if it was okay for her seven-year-old. I might be wrong on the age, but it's close. It was yeah, under 10. Okay. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, it's got a lot of violence in it. And she cuts me off and says, I don't care about that. Is there any nudity in it? And I'm kind of pissed off. I was a real smart ass at that job. I was a smart ass <laughs> to a lot of customers. So I said, you know, your kid's probably going to grow up and have sex, but hopefully they don't grow up and murder a lot of people. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. But no. <laughs> oh, funny. I... Yeah, that's interesting. I had no idea that uh, this was all based on that. This uh, is all based on the 1985 foundation of the PMRC. Weird. Really weird. I. Uh, so, yeah, I. 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 Bart and Lisa bail out early because they're going to go watch cartoons at friends' houses. I. Uh, you know, uh, Bart says he's going to play sports, and Lisa says she's going to make the most of her childhood <laughs> years. I. Uh, now. Some people join, and I thought this was kind of interesting. Are you going to bring up Mo? Are you going to bring up Mo Sislak? Oh, you know I'm going to bring up Mo. So, Sean, Flanders joins. The Flanders family. The uh, Lovejoys join. Makes sense. Agnes Skinner joins. Agnes makes sense. She's kind of a prude woman. You know what, though? In, In the only other episode we've seen of her so far... She was a real sweetheart. Real sweetheart. Here, do you know what her sign says? What's her sign say? Ahem. Destroy the violent people. That's what Agnes Skinner's sign says. That, that's a typical old person response. <sighs> Mo has a sign that he wants them to bring back Wagon Train. Yeah, Wagon Train. Wagon Train was a Western that ran uh, on two different networks from 1957 to 65. Uh, and interesting enough, uh, Gene Roddenberry uh, claims he pitched Star Trek as a wagon train to the stars. Hmm. Uh, it's also referenced in the 1986 classic Stand By Me, uh, where they complain, oh, well, you know, they always are riding to like along, but they never get to where they're going. Are we sure he's <laughs> complaining about the show and not complaining that he doesn't want wagon, tree, uh, uh, wagon train dog treats? Uh, no, no, it wasn't a dog, uh, dog tree thing, to the best of my knowledge, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, as more and more people start to protest, uh-huh. 
we get some shots from inside Itchy and Scratchy where they're noticing all of the screwballs outside, uh-huh. and they don't care. No, they don't. They don't give a I damn. love that about it. Yeah, then, like the writer looks out the window and he's like, "Meh." And then we get Homer at home uh-huh. because Marge has been off doing her protests, and they're having TV dinners for dinner. <laughs> he remarks that he didn't know TV dinners were still bad. I used to love TV dinners as a kid. Like Kid Cuisine, mm-hmm. they suck. Oh, they're terrible. Yeah, they're still, to this day, god-awful. The only ones that are somewhat decent, arguably decent, are like like some of the Stouffer's ones. The Marie Callender ones aren't Marie so Callender's. But the catch is that they're super unhealthy for you. So, like, you have, like, healthy choice and, like, lean cuisine and stuff where, like, you know, some of the sodium's a little lower, some of the fat's a little lower, but they are god-awful. The trade-off is to make them somewhat decent is that they're so terrible for you. Yep. Fat, calorie, sodium, carbs, everything. They're just through the roof because that's about the only way to make them good. Uh, also, uh, uh, they're complaining about how peas are everywhere. Uh, I love the fact that Homer's like, there's peas in my fruit cobbler. And Lisa's like, there are peas everywhere. They're just lying all over the table and stuff. I. Uh, Bart perpetually is complaining in the scene that he wants to watch cartoons and Marge won't let him. Uh, Homer then remarks that I, I, there are 20 million uh, women in the world and I had to marry Jane Fonda. I knew you were going to get into that one. First off, Homer, there is a world population of the time at 5.3 billion people in 1990. I'm thinking there's a little more than 20 million women. Just a little more. You know, maybe like two and a half billion. Jane Fonda uh, is an actress, a fitness guru, and uh, was known for political activism, like standing up for civil rights movement, opposing the Vietnam War, uh, the Native American occupation of Alcatraz Island, uh, Black Panthers, feminism. She She's done a, a whole bunch of stuff. She did those great workout videos is all I can think of every time. I, I, I know all about her, all about her activism, but I always think of the workout videos because I always think of all the references of, yeah, I'd be like Jane Fonda. Yeah. That was big in the 90s. That was like, Tiny Toons made jokes about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was it was definitely big to do. I think she started doing those fitness videos in the 80s. I think so. Uh, so uh, inevitably, we start seeing uh, that uh, the parents are going to the Krusty the Clown show and like like protesting and it's funny because you like you can only imagine it must be the stage lights are blocking Krusty's like sight from the audience because he's like settle down boys and girls or I'll or Krusty will have to get corporal punishment again and we see one of Krusty's sidekicks corporal punishment just this big huge jacked army guy with a bayonet so is Krusty's show live um i mean because it seems like it's live, but then he's showing a clip of it later to Roger Myers. Yeah, it's kind of, it's always sort of a gray area. Some of his episodes seem like they're live and then others aren't. You would think that somebody in the studio would be like, okay, get, get these people the hell out of here. Let's refilm this without a studio audience. We'll fake it. We'll throw in a laugh track. Let's go. Yeah, you would think. Uh, so Roger Myers says, Marge must be stopped, but how? And he asks his team. And and the writers are shown, uh-huh. and the the writers are all writers for The Simpsons, by the way. 
hell are they? Yes, they're <laughs> all characters of writers in The Simpsons. You'll actually see them later on throughout the series as background characters. That's amazing. When they have the escalator that goes to nowhere in the monorail episode, you'll see some of these same writers <laughs> falling off of oh, it. Oh, you're right. <laughs> so one says to drop an anvil on her, another to hit her on the head with a piano. One says to stuff her full of TNT and then throw a match down her throat and run. Uh, also, uh, I thought like I thought this might be like a, a very obvious thing, but I think that for especially a lot of our younger people, uh, they wouldn't know what TNT is. Because TNT is not a channel on uh, your your cable network. Uh, although, you know. I, I thought they were referring to stuff are full of TNT like dynamite. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, like, I don't think that kids are going to know what TNT is like dynamite in that capacity. Because what cartoons these days use TNT? Like none, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't watch a lot of cartoons these days, but I just can't imagine that it's very common. Because uh, TNT is, uh, 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 let's see, trinitro- uh, trinitrooluene, I believe is how it's pronounced. Uh, it's an explosive chemical compound. Uh, but like, I don't. I think that's a, like an old Bugs Bunny thing. I don't think they use TNT anymore. I don't think they use explosives that often. Well, fair enough. That's probably true. I uh, now uh, uh, we then see uh, after like Roger Myers is pissed off that his you know writers don't know what to do. I. Uh, one of the writers is inspired by Marge, and we see him look out the window, see Marge, and uh, makes a cartoon with a squirrel that tries to get the itchy and scratchy to play nice, and they don't do it. So don't they... do that! <laughs> and so the squirrel's head gets knocked off with baseball bats. And uh, <laughs> and then they both shake and agree, and it's a happy ending for Itchy and Scratchy. <laughs> and Homer says, hey, some of these stories are pretty good. I never knew mice led such interesting lives. Uh, also, Homer was off only for like a week, right? How did, how did that cartoon get made that quickly in a week? They just whip them out over at Itchy and Scratchy Studios. They really do. Uh, they outsource this to Korea, and it comes back way quicker than The <laughs> Simpsons did. Oh, so I, I also, uh, uh, interesting note. Uh, you mentioned that it's a pretty happy ending for itchy and scratchy. I itchy didn't keep his ceasefire when they fought Hitler. He chopped scratchy's head off. (laughs) Marge is okay, but Hitler is where they're like, nope, I'm still going to keep the violence going. Oh man. Oh, I didn't think about that. That's so good. So Sean, our Patreon special. Oh, you mean Smartline? Yeah, Smartline. This is the first appearance of it in The Simpsons, isn't it? Yep, this is the very first appearance of Smartline. So uh, for our listeners who are not uh, currently our patrons, uh, if you go to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media, uh, you can get a bi-monthly special that Sean and I uh, uh, put out, uh, where which is called Smartline, where Sean and I cover different topics from characters to, to different, you know, like uh, ideas and thoughts on the show and stuff. Uh, but here we have a roundtable discussion, so to speak, of Marge, Roger Myers, Krusty the Clown, and live from Vienna, home of Sigmund Freud, Sean's favorite character, Dr. Marvin Monroe. I hate Dr. Marvin Monroe. He just reminds me of that episode and pisses me off. I just do not like him. <sighs> Love when you get mad about Dr. Marvin Monroe. Also, home of Sigmund Freud. Ah, now that is an interesting note, Sean. Why is that? Because he went to college in Vienna. That wasn't his home. 
Uh, yeah, he was born in uh, the Austrian Empire, uh, which would now be uh, pre-war in the Czech Republic. Uh, and he later died in exile in London, England, after he fled uh, the Nazis in World War II. Uh, so he may have spent some time in uh, uh, Vienna, but he didn't wasn't born there and he didn't die there. But he did want to bang his mom there. I I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went there. I, I wasn't going to go there, but I, I'm glad one of us were brave enough to. Uh, so uh, they, they, uh, they start bickering, and, and Roger Meyer's argument is funny, but it is a very big fallacy. He says there was violence before cartoons. Uh, and he's like, and he mentions specifically the Crusades. Uh, and he said that, like, you know, uh, he's like, it's amazing that, like, you know, uh, uh, these things happen. And Kent Brockman, I don't know if it's sarcasm or not. I really hope it is. Says, wait a minute, are you saying that cartoons were invented after the Crusades? I, uh, but I, uh, but it's a fallacy. It's a lot. It's it's a it's it's a logical. It's an illogical thing to bring to the conversation because Marge isn't saying that cartoons are going to stop like stopping cartoon violence is going to stop violence. She's only implying that it shouldn't be subjected to children. No, that's correct. I uh, and so I. Uh, Dar- Roger Myers also has a cigar lit during this interview. Yeah, that's kind of weird, right? Yeah, that's super weird. I uh, so. Dr. Marvin Monroe says that there are way worse things than cartoon violence. He says that... Yeah, like him. Like Marvin Monroe is a way worse thing than cartoon violence. Unless it's violence against Marvin Monroe. Glad he's dead. I hate him. I don't care if he came back in fan fiction. He's dead. He's dead, damn it. Well, he soon will be in the show, so don't worry. Uh, he, Marvin Monroe uh, says that uh, some of the worst things are women who love too much, a People who have a fear of winning and sexaholism. I think he means nymphomania. I, I, I'm not really sure what he was going for. Uh, but uh, on a funny note, uh, Krusty cannot be serious once the uh, uh, cameras are on him. And he keeps throwing pies in his own face and stuff like that. He's got a little horn that he honk honks. Uh-huh. And I... Uh, uh, with the last six seconds that Marge has, uh, she says that if you know you have issues with cartoon violence as well, send in letters. And send in letters they do. Roger Myers specifically reads off one of these letters and says, in quotes, I will never watch your show, buy any of your products, or break if I see you crossing the street. And he says, wow, that's cold. By the way, uh, we see a lot of mail trucks line up. Yeah. Now, did you count how many trucks we we at least see? How many did we see, Craig? 45 mail trucks. Okay, so there's 45 mail trucks. Uh Uh-huh. How many bags of mail do you think each mail truck has? I mean, when we see one of the guys going into the studio, he seems to only have, what, one bag that he's holding? Yeah. Or maybe two, maybe one in each hand. I don't. I'm, I'm. I'm misremembering at this point. I imagine that's just one shipment from their truck because you can hold a lot more. Well, trucks sure, than sure. That. Yeah, that's very true. You want to so estimate four or five bags? We'll say five bags. You said there's forty five trucks. Uh, forty five. I counted. So that's two hundred twenty five bags of hate mail. That's more than we get on this show, and people send <laughs> us a lot of hate mail. <laughs> so, Sean, uh, I don't know about you, but I can't think of anyone who has that much time on their hands. Or cares that much? Uh, the screwballs, Craig. I don't think there's that many. That's a lot of hate mail. 
okay, we worked in a grocery store. Mm-hmm. People would call a manager over to complain about the stupidest things. Okay, yeah, that's I guess that's true. So there are screwballs out there who will complain about anything. But writing letters to do it? That's a lot of work. People have called up to complain about things because their chips were too damn salty. Okay, touche. Touche. Their lettuce was too wet. And it's ruining the bread in the store. These are actual complaints that we have gotten. Yeah, all right, fair enough. People suck. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) So the scene transitions. And uh, we see that Marge, with her crappy spice rack, is making pork chops. I, uh, uh, we also see the dining room is behind, uh, behind her. You know, we see a nice little uh, shot in there. Uh, but Roger Myers and the writers can't figure out how to make the cartoon nonviolent, so they call up Marge, and Roger Myers' disdain as he's talking to Marge is really wonderful. I love when the animators are looking at the storyboard. They're like, "Okay, so he's stolen his ice cream cone. No, 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 make it a pie. That's easier to draw." It's like whatever, fine. Uh, and so I, I. You know, uh, like Marge gives the advice of like, oh, well, why don't they share? You know, and, and that's sort of her answer. And and Roger Myers is like, uh, it's different. I'll give you that. Uh, now, I don't think there, that we have a lot of time to talk about how much just wonderful stuff is in this scene. So the next time you get a chance to watch this episode, pause it and look at all the storyboard Oh, they're hilarious. Like, I paused it and made some notes on them. So. Okay, yeah, I have a few. I, I only wrote down a couple. I, 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 One of them is of Scratchy having eaten a horse. One has Itchy's head as like on an ice cream cone. One is a like of a bear trap going off. Another is like like I think it's uh, uh, itchy like in acid. Yeah, he's in a pool of acid. And was there any others that caught your attention? Because like those were only the few I wrote down. But there are so many things to look at in this scene. There's one where Scratchy has arrows in him, which I think is hilarious. That's I don't great. know how it got to that. <laughs> so. So Homer's watching TV, and there's this like sixty-seven tools in one thing, uh, and and I love that like you know the announcer is like, "How much do you think this is?" And Homer's like, "A thousand dollars," and he's like, "Don't answer yet." And Homer's like, "Oh, sorry." It's so good. And and Bart and Lisa are miserable, and they're just sitting there watching this stupid infomercial that Homer's super enthused about. And Marge goes in, and she turns on the crust of the clown show. And Bart and Lisa are like, you mean we get to watch cartoons? And Marge is like, yep, everything's A-OK. And somehow in the span of them talking on the phone, they have a new cartoon that's out. And it might be the best. It's the best Itchy and Scratchy cartoon ever. It's Porch Pals. So how's it start, Sean? So they're sitting on the porch in rocking chairs. Uh Uh-huh. Lemonade? Please. I made it just for you. Thank you. And then it just like continues their conversation. And like it's just this like this weird, awkward, like glimpse into the itchy and scratchy peaceful life. And then it just like it ends. We're also given a different intro to the show. Instead of they fight and bite and fight and fight and bite. It's they love and share and love and love and share. <laughs> love, 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 share, share, share. 
It's the itchy and scratchy show. And it's so melodic and peaceful. My favorite line, though, is lemonade. <laughs> I just Please. love the way it sounds. All these voices <laughs> they use. For- oh, it's so creepy. The voices they use for itchy and scratchy in this episode are real weird. If you ever want to prank phone call someone and really scare them, call them in the middle of the night and just play lemonade. <laughs> and then get even more scared when the voice back says, Please. Please. <laughs> I made it just for you. Thank you. Uh, so uh, another scene of Itchy and Scratchy is them like ballroom dancing. And uh, we see Millhouse get disgusted and leave like Bart and Lisa do because they don't want to watch this nonsense. We also see that uh, Millhouse's family also has a vinyl record collection. Uh, they uh, uh, they start playing Beethoven's Sixth Symphony uh, for like when the kids are playing. The Pastoral Symphony. Yeah. Exactly. Because, I mean, that piece of music is like 20-something minutes long. And do you know what film that is used in, in a very similar scene? No. What? Fantasia. I mean, that makes sense. This this is a reference to Fantasia at this moment, where Mm -hmm. the kids are out playing, similar to um, the centaurs playing. (laughs) I really love centaurs, by the way, just so everyone knows. Doesn't that scene also have some like low key racism? Yeah, it's, it was. Well, it did. They, 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 there was some low key racism. Oh, men. They, but they got rid of it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, there was like a slave centaur that was the hair of a beautiful woman centaur. Gross. It was black and she was uh, white. And yeah. <laughs> We're done talking about this. Yeah, that's uh, But uh, yeah, it's a Fantasia reference. Oh, nice. Uh, we see the arcade, the kid from the arcade, uh, who was really good uh, that Homer got lessons from. Uh, they're playing marbles. They're playing with old timey scooters. They're taking old people for walks. There's maypole dancing. They're building a treehouse. Uh, Martin plays hoop rolling. And Nelson and his two stooges whitewash a fence a la Tom Sawyer. It's a really interesting scene because like, like that's like obviously that's not what kids at that time, like for the nineties would be playing, of course. But like at the same time, it's like, what a weird reference. Like these old, like old timey, like 1920s games. It's very weird. It's, it's even pre 1920s. So that's like 1890s. That's so, yeah, it's so weird. Uh, We also see in the scene, uh, uh, Lisa and Janie are playing together. So even if they don't play much later, it's clearly Lisa's not using her for uh, Itchy and Scratchy anymore. So, but we also see that they don't get along very well later on. So, I. Uh, oh, uh, that's right. Uh, the reason we know Lisa and Janie are hanging out is because they were going bird watching. She tells uh, uh, Marge and Homer that they saw a grackle. Do you know what a grackle is, Sean? What's a grackle, Craig? It's a type of bird with six species spread across North and South America. But, anywho. <laughs> you have Bart uh, uh, says that he needs to, to work on a soap, soapbox racer. Uh, and then he asks to be excused. And... Uh, uh, you know, the kids are showing polite behavior suddenly because there's no violent cartoons. Yeah, it's a very weird kind of. I feel like I feel like that was like wishful thinking on like the the like the writer's parts so that like suddenly there's no violent cartoons, so their children will not act up. Uh, it, yeah, just I, weird. I feel like this is the same mental capacity that people have where they think, oh, if there's no video games. There will be no more violence. Pretty much, yeah. This is what the world would be like. Just magically gets better. Uh, Homer says that he always knew Marge would change the world. 
And then he pauses and he says, for the better. <laughs> uh, and then we learn that uh, Michelangelo's David is going to be toured around the U.S. Uh, what cities is it going to go to? Well, uh, New York and Springfield. And then if they have the time, they'll go to Chicago, Boston, and Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, so Sna, without Marge as, as its head, decides to take action against Michelangelo's David. Uh, they, uh, uh, they knock on Marge's door, and Marge comes downstairs, and uh, you know, Lovejoy... Uh, Helen Lovejoy says that it graphically portrays parts of the human body, which, practical as they may be, are evil. And and Marge is like, what parts are those? The wiener, Sean. I just wanted to hear you say it. That's all I wanted. I, I, I feel <laughs> like, I, I mean, do you want other uh, uh, phrases for the same thing? The doodle? The, the... David's doodle. David's doodle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so uh, Marge says that she finds the work of art beautiful and that, you know, why would she want to like try to get rid of it? And Maude Flanders knew that Marge was soft on full frontal nudity. And it cuts to the airport and we get a little bit of, uh, um, I was going to say low key racism, but it's kind of high key, isn't it? Get your big Italian butt out of here. Yeah, that's, that's weird, that's right? weird. Okay. So Marge goes back on Smartline and has been invited back because they think that she's going to hate it. And, uh, I, you know, uh, Kent Brockman is like, is David a work of art or just some guy without pants? And Marge Simpson's like, yeah, I'm okay with this. I, I, I don't have a problem with it. And Kent Brockman's like, aren't you Marge Simpson the wacko? And she goes, yes and no. Uh, Dr. Marvin Monroe from Greece this time, uh, wants to know how Marge can fi- uh, be for one form of freedom of expression and against another. And Kent Brockman says, good question. Uh, and and it, it is. It's Marge is, is totally okay with the Statue of David, which is a freedom of expression, but not okay with cartoon violence and wants it to end. Uh, which is interesting because, you know, you know Marge's uh, attempts to, uh, you know, should be for like warnings and stuff. For parents to make their own decision and to warn that you know children of a young age shouldn't watch it, but she sort of destroys cartoon violence. But she makes cartoons for the better. We get porch pals, lemonade, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, you know, uh, Kent Brockman then says that they're out of time and that the uh, next episode they're going to discuss religion, which is the one true faith. <laughs> I really want to see that episode. I want to see that smart line so bad. We'll just have to make that our one of our own smart line episodes. Oh, that'll go real well. Oh, I'm sure people will love it. Uh, they start playing a sad version of the symphony number no. six with all the kids missing. Itchy and Scratchy and Bat are uh, Itchy and Scratchy are back. Uh, and they kind of reenact the Cold War. Uh, it's that pistol uh, skit you mentioned before, where they keep pulling out larger pistols. Yeah, and it's essentially the Cold War or but the Butter Battle Book making bigger and bigger weapons, and then, you know, uh, Itchy blows up Scratchy. Wasn't that also a Bugs Bunny in Yosemite Sam cartoon? Oh, you know what? I think it was. I think you're right. Uh, also, as soon as they watch that, Maggie pulls out, like, a, a dart gun, shoots <laughs> one, and it hits Homer right in the eye, like, the picture of Homer right in the eye. Maggie's scary. Oh, yeah. Maggie's going to grow up to be a serial killer. She might shoot old men at some point in the series. <laughs> what? Don't go... Don't go criminalizing Maggie just yet. I'm sure that she's not going to be that much of a maniac. 
So Homer and Marge visit Dave. Ah, yes. Homer's famous statue of Dave. (laughs) And Marge is very... Normally, Marge is kind of nice to Homer, but in this one, she's just like, David. And he's like, all right, David. Uh, This is one of my favorite Homer lines from this episode. Ah, then by all means, take over, Sean. So Marge is, like, really upset because there's no one in the museum seeing this. Uh Uh-huh. And Homer goes, don't worry. All the kids in Springfield Elementary will see this. And Marge looks at him and she's like really homer Uh yeah (laughs) they're forcing them homer gets so much delight from the fact that the kids are being forced to see this which is kind of weird uh and that's the end of the episode uh homer laughs that it's you know the kids are being forced to see david and and it just sort of cuts out from there so did you watch this episode when it aired I don't know if I would have watched the original air date. I, I saw it when I was pretty young, uh, but I, I, I don't remember. If it was when it aired, that's how I know you're not a West Coaster. Because when this episode originally aired, mm-hmm. Fox Satellite blew out and the entire West Coast missed the first half of this episode. Really? Yep. Interesting. Just random trivia for this episode for you. Huh. That's funny. Uh, so, Sean, what are you going to say is the lasting impact of the episode? This is the first episode where Itchy and Scratchy take a front stage. We get to see the creation of Itchy and Scratchy. We get to see them at their heyday with Porch Pals. (laughs) Lemonade? Please. (laughs) You know, it's funny because at first I was going to criticize your your opinion and be like, yeah, but Itchy and Scratchy don't matter. But they kind of do. They do. This is where they start to matter. Yeah, they they actually really do matter. They eventually go to, like, Itchy and Scratchy land. And, like, we see that uh, later in the series, uh, uh, the the very creation of Itchy and Scratchy comes into, like, uh, 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 question and Bart has to kind of take, like, a side and stuff. Bart and Lisa write for Itchy and Scratchy at some point. Yeah. You know, so Itchy and Scratchy ends up being a a kind of a big deal. Uh, Now, I think uh, my lasting impact for this episode is... uh, a little different. I think that it's sort of the first episode where we see the writers get to take an industry look into things, like a look into the industry side of things, because eventually we will see that like Bart and Lisa will write for cartoons and like they'll they'll be more meta jokes later and stuff. And I think this was the first example of them sort of making it like kind of a front and center thing. Also, this is mm-hmm. really them dealing with their own censorship. If you want to get talk about meta ness, yeah, yeah, it's a reference to the PMRC, but. They were dealing with censorship issues of their own. Mm-hmm. Oh no, and that's and I think that's where the where the biggest thing is with them being meta about this is like you know eventually the Simpsons are going to start making jokes about things happening to their own show on their show, and so I think this is the first episode where we really see a lot of that. Also, this episode was directed mm-hmm. by Jim Reardon. Yeah, he made a student film when he was in college. Yeah, I'm going to tell you the student film. I'll tell you if somebody came after him. Uh-huh. It was called Bring Me the Head of Charlie Brown. Uh-huh. It was a violent cartoon coming for Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. You don't think Charles Schultz came after Reardon for this? He used the Schultz time machine, which we reference way too often for that being, I think, from one of our <laughs> Patreon specials. <laughs> Listen, Charles Schultz can travel through time. That's all anyone needs to know. 
fair enough. I mean, you're not wrong. That is all they need to know. Uh, but if you'd like more details, make sure to check out our Patreon specials. Uh, we, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we, we have a bi-monthly show. Make sure to jump on patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. And uh, uh, if you, know, you want to support the show, it's definitely appreciated. Uh, but uh, otherwise, we're going to uh, uh, end the episode. But uh, Sean, uh, you know, as we're wrapping things up here, uh, I have some refreshments here. Lemonade? Please. 